Uh, now remember, don't spill. This is a loner. You got it. <laughs> this, this Mazda CX-9, uh, courtesy of the Autobahn Mazda of Evanston. Look, it's Friday Pilots Club. Hello. And yes, this podcast is brought to you by the Autobahn Mazda of Evanston. This car, this CX-9, this is a 2017 CX-9. It's gorgeous, right? It Spacious. is. Very, very nice. How's the, I haven't been in the back seat yet. How's the back seat, Drew? Very roomy uh, and comfortable enough to eat a large burger back here. Yeah, we could actually probably fit the entire band like live. Like we could play in here. Yeah, I didn't even realize you that there was three right there. Well, yeah, I mean, you could have an opening band in here, and you guys. <laughs> you could have the entire lineup. It could be like one of those old TV talk shows. You have the opening guest, then they slide over on the couch. Another band comes in. We could just get everyone in here. I think your next move now is to do your podcast, but have while the first band is playing in the car. The next band is cooking that band dinner, and then they trade off, and it's kind of like an Iron Chef situation. Well, we could totally put like a grill. Oh, in the, the back. back. You see oh, all that trunk space? Definitely. Yeah, I mean it's it's spacious. Tailgate Nothing but room. Uh, again, this is all from the Autobahn Mazda of Evanston. They are at 1015 Chicago Avenue. I got my last two cars from there. I'll get my next two cars from there too. Uh, I would not go, do myself wrong by getting this car. In fact, this is lovely. All right. So, anyways, Friday Pilots Club. Are you ready? Ready. Ready. It's car con carne. So we are at Red Hot Ranch on Ashland. You were just waiting for me to give you the go. Like, I mean, you oh, didn't so waste hungry. a second diving into that. Burger. Unbelievable. I feel bad that I started then. No, don't, be, don't feel bad. Well. You're musicians. You, you, need, you need your protein. Uh, <laughs> so we're at Red Hot Ranch with Friday Pilots Club. Caleb and Drew are here. Now, most recently, if you've been keeping track, Friday Pilots Club just made it to the top of a nationwide competition. You guys won the Next to Rock competition, which means you scored a big-time record deal. We did. Well, I guess let's backtrack. Next to Rock, there were local finals. I saw you at Cubby Bear. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I hosted that night. On October th- or September 30th? It was end of August. End of August. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Uh, I, I want to apologize. I hadn't seen you live before that night. And mm-hmm. every band that played that night, I can say something good about. There, there was something to recommend each of those bands. You guys came on stage... And it was one of those things, there was like a collective gasp in the audience, like, oh, shit. Your, your live show is something to behold. I mean, you are arena ready. Mm, and it, it was quite clear, when you left the Cubby Bear that night, when you emerged, the local champs, you, we knew we were, you were going to end up in Los Angeles. And it was probably a foregone conclusion. You'd be right here, right now, with a record deal with Big Machine? Big Machine Label Group. Uh, who else is on Big Machine? This is a big-time label. Um, Bad Flower is... Taylor Swift originally was, um, and Cheap Trick, Cheap Trick, Reba McIntyre, mm-hmm. Florida Georgia Line. Yeah, you know it's I. Crazy. Yeah, I think that's that's all I know. We were talking as we were waiting for food. There aren't a whole lot of Chicago bands breaking at a national level anymore. Mm-mm. It, it, it kind of comes and goes in waves, and I've seen all the waves. Uh, I feel like you guys are at the front of a new wave. Truly, I feel honored by it. Absolutely, I mean. It's we're still reeling in it a little bit. So. Is it still kind of surreal what, what happened? Definitely surreal. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that night. You went to Los Angeles. Was it Viper Room or it was at the Roxy? It was right the down Roxy. the street. Yeah, the Roxy. Okay, so it was at the Roxy. You're competing against four other bands that made it to the top, all on their own merit, all solid bands. What number did you play that night? What in the order? Uh, we were the last band to play. 
Just like in Chicago. That, that it was almost like a sign. Mm. Mm. It was. It felt that way. It, it, was it worse to be last? Were there more nerves as you were watching everybody else thinking, oh, they're good and they've got this going on? Did it get in your head at all? Definitely. I mean, a lot of the bands, these were, there were some established bands there, mm-hmm. you know, definitely. And um, as Drew and I have been doing this together for two years now, and, um, you know, we've only had End of It Out for actually less than a year still. And so it was a little intimidating to be around guys that have had music out for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they were just really good. A lot of them were incredibly good. Our friends in the Zealots were just unbelievable. They put on such a good live show. Did you approach it differently? Or did you just say, we're, we're going to do what we do? We're going to do what we do. Right? Yeah, I mean, we... we like have never flown anywhere to do a show so I think on my end I was very stressed Mm -hmm. the entire trip because I'm normally like coordinating the live show with like making sure you know because I like run the backing tracks off my phone and everything and I was just like freaking out like we're gonna have to check guitars at the gate we're gonna Mm -hmm. have to like check our bass they're gonna get damaged in the flight we're gonna come back we're not gonna have any instruments like I'm gonna have to play the set on ukulele I thought it was gonna like be totally ruined but uh, everything went swimmingly. It was like perfect. And then we're there in the venue watching all the other bands and I feel like seeing them all up into that moment was like, okay, here we go. And we had to be, we had to do the mama and papa thing on the way out there, um, you know, just making sure that everything got done right. And Zach, our manager, or one of our two managers with Roger, did an amazing job making sure that everything was ready to go. And Cumulus and BMLG really took care of us all the way through, which was really nice. See, now that you guys made it, maybe you can get a second phone for the backing tracks. You that would be nice. You can keep your personal phone in your pocket. Just have your have your live phone. There you go. Honestly, for the performances. That's a great idea. Like right? it, it sounds so bougie, too. Like, oh, this is my travel phone. Yeah, this is my travel phone. It's no different than having, like, a laptop on stage, right? You just have it on a phone. Mm. Right. And I would have my laptop normally. That's still a source of But, yeah, I, uh, we played Fulton Market Fest earlier in September. And for some reason that night, I set my laptop on top of the bass amp. And our bass uh-huh. player was just totally ripping. Uh-huh. The whole band was ripping. We were just the loudest probably we've ever been. And the whole laptop just, just vibrated oh off man. to the amp. Oh, yeah. But it was perfect because it kept playing the tracks, but the screen is completely liked. Hey, if it had to go, it went triumphantly. Yeah, it oh, did. it was in a blaze it, it, of glory. Blaze it, died, <laughs> it died an honorable Viking death. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, in like the world of like rock, and it was, it was very cool. Uh, should we just pause and bring up the fact that these burgers are kind of awesome? They are. They yeah. really are. Shout out Red Hot Ranch. Holy crap. Cash only, by the way. I had a feeling. Mm. I hit the ATM before we got here. I'm like, there's no way they're taking credit cards. <laughs> there's just no way. Good call. I, I got the single. You guys both went with doubles. I probably should have gone with the double. Mm. This yeah. feels a little modest. It is. This is an appropriate amount of meat. Mm-hmm. I like it. I'm eating it in a very, like, I don't know what kind of way this would be. 96th Street Steak Burgers. Have you ever been there before? Mm-mm. They serve it to you in this little wrap. Trying to be as clean as I can in this Mazda. Thank you. The Mazda CX-9, courtesy of the Autobahn Mazda of Evanston. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the judges mm. for this performance. Because the... The intimidation of just playing for the, the stakes you were playing at are, are one thing, but you're there playing in front of Chris Jericho. Yeah. Oh my goodness, yeah. I mean, WWE superstar, I, in my opinion, one of the greatest all-time wrestling heels. Um, you're playing in front of Jonathan Davis, of course, and I wow. forgot to mention Fozzie, of course, for Jericho. I, it, was there an intimidation factor there? Extremely. 
Because did they did they comment after your set? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I had this like weird out of body experience as we're like getting on stage and setting up during our changeover, and I'm I'm looking over at the judges table and I see Jonathan Davis, and I realized that about ten years ago I had gone to see Corn, and I was watching his band, and here I am, and he's watching my band, uh-huh. and it was like terrifying like it was truly a shocking moment like i'm not like a big corn fan mm-hmm. but it was also just that like weird like whoa full circle yeah. kind of thing so did anyone give you feedback that you took to heart because they, they didn't stream it and i remember last year they streamed it and i was watching the judges had a little something to say to everybody and some of the nuggets there i thought were really good or sage in the advice they gave yeah it um Wait, watching them judge other bands was really harsh. We were like, oh, these guys are about to tear us apart. <laughs> but they had, I mean, they were just very celebratory. I mean, that felt good. Definitely felt good. Um, yeah, they they only had good things to say, didn't they? Yeah. Which was, honestly, it was weird. Mm-hmm. Because they, t- they tore the other bands apart. You know, which in a way was scary, but also it was like, well, we're about to get critique from some like industry heavyweights like this could be really good for us you know to hear what they have to say mm-hmm. but they just had a lot of praise for us which was very cool um but so all right so you won the competition mm-hmm. uh of course the we had the parade down columbus drive when you returned right naturally uh, and people were throwing flowers at you and it was a remarkable homecoming for you long overdue um so what's next? I mean, now that you won this, do they put you in a studio? Do they pair you with a producer? Well, that's what we're trying to figure out is, um, you know, what we do next. We've got so much material that we've been working on, just a extensive list of songs. To, like since the competition? Okay. Um, yeah, since the competition we've been in, we've been writing and doing what we always do. And, uh, you know, even before the competition, we have a lot of material, probably enough for two or three albums to like put out and we're just deciding what we need to do and you know as we write how we want to write so I know labels like to move fast oh yeah do they give you a timeline like we want to get you in a studio by X date so that we can have product out or single out by this date we don't know yet um but what we did do is we just today actually sent over all of the unreleased songs with the proper song credits and everything mm-hmm. um, for the label's lawyer to forward on to, to the label and they will listen to all the songs and get back to us and let us know what they want to release and if they want the song to be released if there's changes that they want or whatever so yeah, they're all hits I hope, <laughs> I hope so. let's talk about some of the stuff you have released mm-hmm. and you know we were talking about this as we were waiting for food it's kind of weird to talk about music in a medium where you can't really play the music. So I'm going to talk kind of in broad strokes about some of the songs you put out, but I I hope it at least inspires someone either watching on Facebook Live live, or listening to go seek out your music. You're streamable everywhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was listening on Google Play Music on my way here. Uh, Let's start with Golden Bones. Okay. This song to me, this is like total vocal calisthenics because you go from like a growl to falsetto to... Like a big arena vocal style. Yeah. Oh, man. Thank you for noticing that, first of all. I like to say that sometimes live when we've been playing for a while, and I'm getting nervous about doing all that stuff. Um, I think that working with Drew was the first time that I ever worked with someone that 
uh, pushed me to try and push my voice. And we found um, different areas that not only I had never been to, but that not a whole lot of other people do well. You know, like going from chest voice and you know, like on that verse, um, it's very low. Tonight, wearing golden bones. And then going to the chorus, which is, I'm just kidding, I'm not going to do that in here. But, um, and uh, we, I remember we got done, we recorded the song with John Fields in Minneapolis. And it was the first time I ever like stepped out of um, the studio and was really like, yeah, damn right I did that. Like, hell yeah, because I was watching Drew and John in the, um, in the control room and they were just so psyched. And I was like, damn, like that felt really good. I did that. Um, I remember Drew coaching me through how to push my voice ha- like in a healthy way in his dorm room when we were writing some of these songs and uh, and just really engaging that and engaging my core to sing that. And so it feels good. I love that song so much. Let's take a step back. Mm-hmm. When you were working on stuff in a dorm room, yeah, could you have imagined or did you did you kind of it seems like you had a sense of self and where you were going where you were going. Did you foresee something like this happening? Um, it, it might sound cocky, but yes, I did. I, That's why I corrected myself. I had a feeling. <laughs> I, yeah, it, um, this has never been a question of should I be doing this. This is always a question of like, um, I don't even know. Like, there, there's just no end. It's just like you have to keep getting better. That's the only way to keep enjoying something. And I was like, I'm ready to make some more extreme music. I'm ready to um, push my voice harder. And Drew was the one who helped me do that. And, you know, in writing good music, it feels good to sing good lyrics well you know and that's been what's passed us on to the next point that we're on to you know the upper echelons and yeah i guess i mean that's well well true how do you push him do you agree with that that you you push him to be a better man uh i think so in some ways um i i just think that i like i approach music and songwriting in general from a producer's perspective rather than a guitarist's perspective Definitely. which is like it's a really strange thing because kind of going back to your question about did you ever think this would happen like or did you ever see yourself here honestly I didn't because I I used to play in bands in high school and then I came to Columbia thinking I was going to be an audio guy and I was going to be a hermit that sat behind a desk and I just did that but you know, a year after meeting Caleb and working with him on his solo stuff, I ended up filling in for a Friday Pilots Club show on bass. And then he was like, oh, you should join the band and play guitar because their guitarist was leaving. Mm. So I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll, I'll play, start playing guitar. But like, here we are. And this is like the, you know, this feels like the big thing. But um, okay. now being in this band and, and working with Caleb and understanding our songwriting, I feel like... I've like seen so much of like what Caleb is capable of and it's it's so awesome because I feel like our two the way we think is so like opposite but it works so well together mm-hmm. you know in the sense that we're both approaching songs from entirely different perspectives you don't butt heads I mean we do like without a doubt you know and I think problem Problem was this like probably the hardest song for us to write. Well, yeah, let's talk about problem. Sure. Nice funky sounding song, big choruses. Tell me how you approach this from different ends. Oh boy. Uh, so the song originally started 
as like this really terrible sounding demo uh, that kind of sounded like a half-assed Charlie Puth song. Yeah. Definitely. And I was like singing this like super dainty melody and I sent it to Caleb and I was like totally doing that thing where you preface your work before you show it to a friend you're like, you know, it's really rough. Don't think about it too much. Like, you know, I'm still trying. This could be better, blah, blah, blah. And I was like really hoping he would like it, but I was terrified that he wouldn't. Um, and after I feel like I kind of opened his eyes to the song, mm-hmm. Caleb brought this new character because everyone is everyone is performative when they're singing. There's a reflection mm-hmm. of some character that you're portraying for that song. And beautifully put. Char- yeah. Wait, what's what's that? I'm sorry to interrupt. I said beautifully put. Yeah. Oh well, thank you. This character that Caleb plays is what the song needed. It needed that that swanky swagger vocal of the. Like, I don't know. There's something about that. That's the word. When I see you on stage, you've got swagger. Oh, good. That 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 is the most rock and roll thing I think about the band is that that, that swagger that that just charisma. I watched Julian Casablancas growing up, and there it is. And that <laughs> man just doesn't he doesn't give a crap about what other people think. And there's this really good quote from this book that I read called "Meet Me in the Bathroom," mm-hmm. and it's a um, it's the New York scene. Yeah, it's the New York scene, and I forget. I think it's James Murphy says it where he's like the pinnacle of becoming a performer. He's talking about Karen O from the AAS, and he's like, "Is when you stop being yourself, and you not in a way that you're pretending to be someone else, but you just lose it. You just you're there, and that is what I've I've begun to tap into, and I love that." You know, it feels good. I should mention Caracon Carney is presented by the Autobarn Mazda of Evanston. Uh, we are in a Mazda CX-9, a gorgeous 2017 ivory white CX-9. Uh, the communications here... All right, here's the thing that blows me away. I, I don't know. I'm still talking about this. You may think this is cliche. Uh, directly ahead of me, I can see my speedometer, like through the windshield. Yeah. So I know if I'm speeding. I don't need to look down. It's right in front of me. That it's is projected. Really nice. Wait, what? Right. I also have... Right? Oh, my God. I, I think you need to be like right behind me to see it. But it's like right through there. You can see zero mph. What? That is crazy. That is crazy. That's just the kind of technology we're talking about here. It's amazing. Next level. That's it. <laughs> we are in a next level vehicle. Thank you to the Autobahn Mazda of Evanston. Um, would you mind another song? Um, that's All true. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's your makeout song, right? The, uh, I don't know if it's a makeout. I mean, if it you has don't listen vibe. to the lyrics. It's like well, a make out with yourself because you're sad song. Yeah, it's that song is like I would consider emotionally punishing. Like it is, it is so Soul's sad. Mean mistress. But once again, this is another one of those songs that like Caleb's character is what like what sells that track. Mm-hmm. And I I have this very distinct memory of being in the studio with John Fields. And we're tracking the outro bit of the song, and we're like, Caleb, just go for it. Just sing something. You know? Like, but it, this is like the penultimate moment of like, you're telling your ex, like, I'm so done with you, and like, I'm vengeful, and I know it makes <laughs> me a shitty person, but I don't even care. Yep. And Caleb sings the, like that thing, and my jaw was just like on the floor, like staring at him, and like tearing up, because it was powerful. That was just such a powerful moment, and like, just the way Caleb was so clear and like deliberate with his connection to the song and the meaning and how it was communicated 
into the vocal delivery. It was just, I don't know, it was awesome. I still get goosebumps from that. Do you ever remember this? I've brought it up before, but I remember when Drew, Drew wrote this song. He wrote Would You Mind about an experience that he went through. It's a very, very honest song. And when we were tightening things on it, we were going back in and looking at certain words and being like, does this fit, does this not? Um, We got to the point with the chorus um, where it's, if I spend the night in the gaze of strange eyes, would you mind? And it's... um, I remember it being a very emotional moment. I don't, I've said that we cried before, but and I don't know how true that is, but it was <laughs> definitely a very emotional moment where it's like, fuck, yeah, we, we got that. Like that, that's, we nailed the emotion of that moment. And uh, people who, people typically look down on just, especially guys our age, just writing relationship songs. But I think that when you can really dive into the psychology of mm-hmm. something and explain um, the context of that certain jealousy, like that song does so well which drew nailed in the lyrics um thank you you really yeah you really can instantly good (laughs) see this is good you're both so supportive of one another now would be the time to stab each other in the back for other bands like now that you're it's all me (laughs) (laughs) well okay so going from that song would bad as hell be the opposite of that Ooh, I like talking about this song yeah this is a fun one um bad as hell it's just it was an idea that I had um, that I predominantly wrote, um, and it was, it was just, it's like a sex song, you know, I remember when this band was splitting, uh, apart from the original members, um, and they were going on to do what they wanted to do in their own lives, um, and I just felt like I was coming under such heat from people that I had known for a while that didn't want to see me anymore, they thought of me as this evil being, um, and just, I'm gonna get really deep in this Mazda for a second. Thank the, you. Mazda. The Mazda CX-9. The Mazda CX-9. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, and you you have, like at the end of the day, I was experiencing for the first time this like very emotional power um, of sex for the ego. And I was just like, this is really good because it's this, um, you know, this is right now, it just happens to be, this is the one thing that I'm, you know, I'm very intimate with this very powerful, strong, woman and she is really the thing that's guiding me right now none of this was going on in a um in a huge way we had just we were still in the middle of doing a bunch of recording and um and i was like i want to write a song about this and it you know it was one song that just came out in like one night we had this riff or i had this riff that i sent drew in the background and the original demo of the song just kind of drags and then drew's like what if we did this and um and then, you know, we put the guitars in drop C, which is the first time that we did that to kind of incorporate some of the darker influences. Um, and I, just, I do like the darkness that oh finds yeah. its way into your music. It is definitely, I think it's something that a lot of people try and run from when they're trying to make accessible music or if they feel passionate about accessible music. They run from that darkness, but there is something that you have to incorporate if you find influence in that sort of stuff. And I think that Drew does a really good job with production of um doing that and we got that in that song i mean that's a self-produced song so yeah we we recorded that in my one bedroom it sounds amazing thank you it really i I mean all this stuff sounds ready to go like Mm -hmm. astonishing astonishingly accomplished given the fact that up until very recently independent chicago band yeah i mean you guys you guys are ready and to that end let's talk a little bit more about the live show oh boy 
you guys have it. I mean, again, going back to swagger and that rock and roll persona and losing yourself in the art, you guys clearly have it together on stage. How long would you say you've had it together on stage? Because everything's humming along. I mean, it's all... I'm going to throw some uh, metaphors out here. It's firing in all cylinders. It's it's the total package. It's... um, We've spent a lot of time... And Roger has been a big help with us. Your manager, Roger. Yeah, and our other managers. All around good guy. Oh yeah, totally. And our other manager, Zach, of just when we you know get off stage, even when we have great shows, being like, "Good job, guys." And then you know on the ride home or the next day or whatever, calling and being like, "Hey, Caleb, you really need to stop like scratching your crotch on stage. That's not a good idea." And then me, <laughs> that was an actual conversation. It gets itchy. <laughs> Bright lights, it's sweaty. I, I think it was just being nervous. Sometimes I would do that. I, I don't know why, but um. How about like a powder, like a talcum? I, I don't think it's a powder problem. Like it's not like I'm just like I have ser- like chronic jock itch. But okay. it was just like a nerve thing. I was mm-hmm. just doing and things like that and taking it out of like the behavioral side of things. We had to get that down, and we have gotten that into a really good spot where like we both know what we do well. Um, and our the guys that we play with, Sean, Eric, and Jimmy know what they do well and we're finding that um, on the stage more and more and it feels really really good I rub my crotch all the time don't feel that thank you Patrick (laughs) Patrick just said I rub my crotch all the time (laughs) (laughs) it would have been great if that was alone just I rub my crotch all the time I'd be like okay something else I I want to add to this something for the liner notes perhaps (laughs) (laughs) a little asterisk by Mm -hmm. it something I do else I want to say as well um I feel like a big thing with the live show has also been us learning that we might be better than we think we are. Like, I think there's a lot of times we've been like, well, like, that's infeasible. Like, we, like, when we first wanted to start playing the tracks, we thought, we can't do that. We're not ready to do that. Like, we're just not that band. Like, we're not that tight, whatever. And then we start doing it, and it's like, whoa, this is really cool. Mm-hmm. This this works. We can do this. Yeah. And, in fact, we can do this better by then figuring out that we can take stuff that we were putting in the tracks out because we're actually able to do more live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it's the interludes. And then just recently we spent uh, an ungodly amount of money on lights and fog machines. So the next, within the next couple months, you will start seeing a full programmed light and fog show. That's what I was going to say. Friday Pilots Club, really accomplished on stage, needs more fog. Yeah. Well, you came to the right place because I have four hundred dollars worth. Of yes, you do. <laughs> every show. I'm just drinking haze juice before and after the show. Sweating. <laughs> like, that's what gives me my energy on stage. It was funny though because the last show we had, right when we got back from LA, we played a show here at HVAC Pub, uh, HVAC Pub in Wrigley. Um, and when we got on, I remember thinking to myself, I was like, okay, we might have overdid the fog. <laughs> like it, it's there's a lot of fog on stage right there's now. There's never too much. But the pictures that we got from that are awesome. Did it look like a goth show? It looks super <laughs> cool. It looks like we were playing a show in hell. Yeah, which, yeah. Oh, which is my dream. Which is my dream <laughs> as well. That's my dream venue. It's the River Hades. <laughs> awesome. All right, so Friday at Pilots Club. Uh, I think you're so good, and the stuff that you self-recorded. If that's just what you did by yourself, I, I can't wait to hear what happens with Big Machine and. and the big muscle of a big label behind you. Me too. Um, it's onward and upward for you guys. Congratulations on the win. Thank you. Um, like I said, we knew when you walked out of Cubby Bear. Well, that, that's that's the band. Here we go. So uh, thank you for eating hamburgers with me. Thank you. Of course, for thank you for having, having us. us. And you'll stay in touch, right? Oh, of course. Absolutely. Are you kidding me? See, this is the point where I have to ask. If you won't get so big that you'll forget 
office here in Chicago, right? I don't think that's how our egos work. No. I would, yeah. If that day ever comes, I'm like, I'm sorry, I, I only talk to my manager. Like, we're having burgers now. You won't get to a point a where you say, I'm sorry, I, I won't cross the street for anything less than a steak. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. I, I would take a burger over a steak any day. Because you're a Chicagoan. Absolutely. That's, that's it right Truly. there. Truly. All right, Friday Pilots Club, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Thank uh, you. This thank is Carcon Carney. If you like the podcast or like local music or local stuff or Mazdas, uh, please support at carconcarney.com, Carcon Carney across the socials. This podcast lovingly presented by the Autobahn Mazda of Evanston. Love these guys.